Hello, welcome to Wacky History. I'm your host Vernon Parker and this is my very first podcast. Today we will be delving into the story of a Japanese soldier named Hiro Onoda. He was remarkable because he continued on World War II years after it had ended, for 29 years to be exact. He didn't surrender for 29 years. Let's dive into this remarkable man's story. Honor is a big deal in Japan and has been ingrained in their culture for hundreds, thousands of years. World War II was no different. It's a reason that they were the last of the Axis powers to surrender. To the Japanese, surrendering was the most dishonorable thing you could do and would bring great shame to their nation. All you had to do is look at certain battles, like Iwo Jima, for example. There were 20,000 Japanese troops stationed on the island at the time of the American invasion. By the end of the battle, which lasted a month, only 216 of those 20,000 were taken prisoner. The rest were either killed, they killed themselves, or they went into hiding in the vast tunnel system they had dug under all over the island. As the war neared its end and the Allies closed in on Japan, the fighting got more savage and brutal because the Japanese got more desperate. As the Japanese lost most of their best pilots, they resorted to crashing their planes into enemy ships. This was known as kamikaze, which means divine wind in English. This term comes from the 1200s. During the Mongol invasions of Asia, the Mongols attempted to invade Japan itself. Twice, to be exact. And both times, their fleet was wiped out by a typhoon. The Japanese coined the term divine wind for these typhoons as a defense for their nation. And because of that, Japan has never been invaded in its entire history, ever. They kn- the Japanese knew they were going to lose this war, so they wanted to deal as much damage to the enemy as possible. One Japanese soldier took this dedication to a whole other level. He continued on the fighting for 29 years after the war had ended, and this remarkable man's name was Hiro Onoda. He continued to fight an invisible enemy that was no longer there. And at the time that he continued on fighting, the war he thought that was still going on was being taught in the history classes around the globe. It's like he was stuck in a time capsule. He was unaware just how much the world was changing around him. Let's delve into this dedicated soldier's life and how he became, possibly, the most famous Japanese soldier of World War II. Hiro Onoda was born in 1922 in the village of Kamikawa, Japan. I know I'm going to be butchering these Japanese names. I assure you, I am doing my best. 
He was the descendant of a long line of samurai warriors. His father was actually a part of the Japanese cavalry. Unfortunately, he was killed in the Second Sino-Japanese War. And as part of this tradition, in order to continue on this tradition, Onoda himself enlisted in the Japanese infantry when he turned 18 in 1940. He trained as an intelligence officer at the Nokano School. Intelligence officers were taught counterintelligence, sabotage, guerrilla warfare, and sometimes espionage. He completed his training in December 1944 and was stationed at Lubang Island in the Philippines. And this was just in time for when the Americans landed to liberate the Philippines. When the Americans eventually landed, Onoda was given his orders. He, along with the other soldiers stationed on the island, were to fight to the death and not to commit suicide. You know, it's just kind of strange because, you see, the Japanese during this time were no notorious for committing suicide rather than to be captured. During the Battle of Okinawa, for instance, I know I'm, I know I'm using other battles, but just hear me out. During the Battle of Okinawa, there were four commanding officers on the island, four commanding Japanese officers. Three out of the four of them took their own lives rather than surrendered the island. The fourth one, Hiromichi Yahara, was taken prisoner and, in fact, actually went on to live a long life. But back to the story of Onoda. As the Americans landed and the Japanese forces on Lubang were cut down one by one, Onoda came across three soldiers. And once again, I am probably going to butcher these names, so here it goes. Private Yuchi Akatsu, Private Fir First Class, Kinshinsi Kosuku, and Corporal Soshichi Shimada, and ordered them into the woods. These woods would be Onoda's home for almost 30 years. Around August of 1945, Onoda and his men noticed the fighting had died down. They were unaware that Japan had surrendered not too long ago. They continued to fight in the jungle and fight their own little war against an enemy that no longer existed. Onoda and his men survived by making raids on local towns and farms. They would kill farmers and they'd get into shootouts with the local police. The men, they would steal rice from the farms, they would kill cattle to eat their meat, and coconuts. Eventually, the Filipino government became aware of the situation. They couldn't believe that these Japanese soldiers were, were still fighting on. Word eventually reached the U.S., and they had bombers drop leaflets. These leaflets read, quote, The war ended on August 15th. Come down from the mountain. End quote. Of course, Onoda and his men dismissed this as an Allied propaganda trick and continued their fight. Onoda was very patriotic, and he simply couldn't believe that Japan and their godlike emperor would surrender so easily.
Now you're probably wondering, if a notice surrendered in 1974, he had these three other men with him. Well, what happened to them? Well, in 1949, Private Akatsu, he actually left the group after realizing that the war was indeed over. He lived on his own in the wilderness for about six months and then surrendered in 1950 to Filipino police. About two years after that, more leaflets were dropped. This time, it had pictures of the soldiers' families telling them that the war was over. But second verse, same as the first. They thought it was a trick and kept on moving. In 1954, unfortunately, Onoda lost another man, Corporal Shimada, when he was shot and killed by Filipino police. Then, in 1972, Private First Class Kazoku was shot and killed by the police while he and Onoda were burning rice fields. Onoda was now alone, the sole survivor of his group. But in 1974, things would finally change for Inoda when he met a Japanese tourist named Norio Suzuki, who was one of the many Japanese that had heard of Inoda's extraordinary story and went on to find the man himself. Suzuki attempted to get Inoda to come with him, but Inoda claimed that he was waiting for his commanding officer to relieve him. That's why Inoda kept on fighting. His commander was given he gave his commander gave him his orders and his commander told him that whatever happens they will come back for him. Obviously the commander thought that Anoda was long dead. Suzuki made it his goal to track down his commanding officer named Major Yoshimi Tanaguchi. He did eventually find the officer working at a bookstore in Japan. Tanaguchi quickly flew out to Labong to reunite with Onoda. Tanaguchi fulfilled his promise to Onoda and informed him of the war's end and that he was finally free of his duties. Onoda was understandably shocked and angry at this news. He realized that he wasted a quarter of his life fighting for nothing and that his comrades had also died so needlessly. Onoda, after composing himself, finally accepted his situation and left the jungle that had been his home for years. Still wearing his old and worn uniform from decades ago. He surrendered his samurai sword to the current Filipino president, Ferdinand Marcos who returned it to Anoda as a sign of respect. Despite the fact that Anoda had ended up killing 30 innocent civilians in his imaginary war, Marcos gave him a pardon because Anoda believed the war was still carried on, carrying on. Unfortunately for Marcos, this decision would prove a bit unpopular with the local population. Onoda returned to Japan as a national hero, but he stepped. But when he stepped off the plane, he felt like he stepped 
into a time machine. He no longer recognized the Japan that he left all those years ago and saw that Japan had lost many of its traditional values. So, in 1975, he moved to Brazil, where he raised cattle in a Japanese local community. He met and married a fellow Japanese woman named Machi Onada in 1976. Onoda, however, he didn't stay away from Japan forever. In 1980, he heard about a story about a Japanese teenager who murdered his parents. He moved back to Japan in 1984, where he established an educational camp for young people. Eventually, Onoda returned to Lebong, where he donated thousands of dollars to a local school, which I believe is very fitting, considering what he had done to the local population, how he had terrorized them for almost 30 years. He obviously wanted to give back. He wanted to be forgiven. Onoda died pretty recently in 2014 of congestive heart failure. I was glad I was able to share this story with you for my first podcast. This was probably my favorite story from World War II, aside from uh, Desmond Doss, who will have his own um, podcast in the future. I truly find a remo- this man remarkable, how he fought for 30 years because he had such dedication to his country, despite the fact that his country had lost and the war was long over. Some may call this remarkable, some may call him patriotic, some may call him stubborn or delusional. And if you can get over the fact that he murdered innocent civilians, you can truly admire his dedication to his country and see how much honor means in Japan. I would like to thank you for listening to my very first podcast. I really hope you liked it. Again, my name is Vernon Parker, and this is Wacky History. Episode 2, coming up, will cover the Roman Emperor Caligula, one of the most insane rulers in history, and his, let's just say, absurd rule. Well will be guaranteed to arouse you. Again, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I will see you next time.